Welcome to Season 4 of White Shores, the podcast for spiritual beings having a human experience. Let me invite you to walk once more beside me on White Shores to talk about the real meaning of life. Let's discuss dreams, rituals, intuition, afterlife, angels, and other infinite possibilities within and all around you. Season one featured interviews with some of the world's leading scientists researching consciousness. And season two and three built on that solid foundation by talking to authentic spiritual experts, authors, and practitioners. And the bold theme of this season is truth whatever that means. I hope every episode offers you much needed inspiration, meaning and comfort, and perhaps even a little joy in these challenging times. So, now the scene is set, allow the grey rain curtain of this world to roll back and all to turn to silver glass. Let's walk barefoot together on the gentle, glistening sands of white shores, to see what magic lies beyond the material. Thank you for arriving safely on White Shores, a far distant country under a swift sunrise. My guest today in this penultimate episode of season four of White Shores is a former law lecturer who since appearing on White Shores with her incredible story of past life communication via her WhatsApp now has her very own book coming out with the fabulous title WhatsApps from Heaven. But alongside her, this episode features people like her who are the heart and soul of every book I write and my spiritual mission These are ordinary people sharing their extraordinary experiences. Every single time someone messages me with a story about a dream, a sign, a vision or a hunch that has transformed their lives, I'm mesmerised. I collate and try to reply to them all. They are data And I'm so grateful that at long last, scientists like those at IONS, the Institute of Noetic Sciences, are taking these stories and experiences seriously. Yes, they are anecdotal and can't in all cases be proved. But in a court of law, witness statements matter and ordinary people reporting their extraordinary experiences that can't be logically explained matter greatly too. I will never tire of championing their truth. So here's a snapshot of some recent messages I have received just to show you what glorious things arrive in my my inbox. It truly is impossible to choose because every message sent to me is a gem. But I want to share these with you today. I'm going to begin, as this episode will end, with with my interview with with the former law professor. And I'm going to share this experience now from another legal mind. Her name is Diana. Here, in her own words, is her experience of the afterlife. Warning, her words will make you cry and smile, probably at the same time. And that's always a sign of heaven in my book. Here we go. Hi, Teresa. I'm a lawyer 
and I've never been religious or spiritual, so life after death for me was a definite no-no. But it was not until after the passing of my mother and aunt, both from COVID a week apart, that the entire world as I knew it no longer existed. I could not comprehend that my mother was gone. My brain and mind simply could not accept this. My best friend, the only person that will ever love me more than anything in the world and that I love back the same way just wasn't here for me anymore and I could no longer see a future head ahead. I have a loving partner and a good support system but life no longer mattered because the most important person was no longer here. At the time of writing this to you I'm still in deep pain and I'm not sure if it will ever get better but I have some comfort that I will see her again. And this is the only thing that keeps me going. I thought I would give you a short background to set the scene. Here goes. Shortly following my mother's death, I felt I had this supernatural strength that allowed me to get on with all the funeral and ceremony arrangements. I am sure my mother was there beside me, giving me her strength because... That was not my own strength. It could not be. I only started getting signs when I got back home a few days later, and the following happened. First of all, feathers. I had more than one instance where feathers appeared, but this one was more odd. I found a big, fluffy, white feather. The window was closed, and even if it would not have been, this opens from the back of the building. I was in my bathroom at the time and there's a bird protection system so we don't actually get any birds in my home. I showed this feather to my partner. He's much more cynical <laughs> um, rather than a sceptic and then left for the night for my sister. You see, I would see all these signs and my partner would think I'm clinging to things that are mere coincidences. So I implored his mother who also passed away when he was a child, to send him a sign to make him believe. When I came back the next day, he said that after I had left the previous day, he went to the bathroom to get ready for work and he also found a feather. It wasn't the same feather, obviously. Weird, happening or paranormal, I don't know. But this surely never happened before. I also had lots of dreams. I cried desperately to my mother, asking her to hug me one more time. And that night, I had a dream about her. She looked so much younger. And we met in a saloon, which was weird, as she used to be a hairdresser before she had me. And she came and hugged me. I'm not sure if it was a dream or a visitation, as I, I don't really know the difference. I dream about her a lot. Since her passing, I have had trouble sleeping, so I fall in and out of sleep several times a night. And this one evening, I asked her if she could help me to go to sleep as I'm really struggling. And that night was so weird. I felt like I was hugged, but not in the human sense. I was enveloped by this warm glow and love and light. I slept like a baby and woke up in the morning in total bliss. I've also noticed unusual things happening with electricity and lights and I've had a strong smell of clementines. This smell 
instantly reminded me of my mother. She used to peel them for me when I was too lazy to do so myself. Other things too, I was walking in the park and it started to rain, so I took cover under a column and I was thinking about my mum. The rain stopped at some point for a bit and I was telling my mother in my head that I love her and I know that she loves that, but that it would it would be nice for her to let me know that indeed she does. And there, right in front of me, was this enormous rainbow. Yes, it was raining, and a rainbow may have been very likely to appear, but in all honesty, I haven't seen many rainbows in my life. Maybe when I was a child due to spending more time outdoors, but not as an adult. Coincidence? Maybe? Perhaps? And I've also felt a slight breeze on my face several times as if I'm being caressed or kissed. And that usually happens when I go to sleep. I've had a very strong bond with my mother, Teresa, when she was here, when she was alive. And I think she was my soulmate in the real sense. She truly was my best friend and the best mother I could have wished for. I have never felt lonely or unloved. She was there and available for all of us whenever we needed her. She was my greatest supporter and I am so proud that she was and continues to be my mother in spirit. It sounds weird to say, but her love and care for me continues after her passing. I am sure she is sending me all those signs to make me feel better, to let me know she is not gone, that she's still close beside me. I told you this story was beautiful. I truly, I mean, I'm getting choked up now. I feel so blessed that you, you and humbled and honoured that you send me messages like this every single day. Every single one walks right into my heart. Just as this poem from a beautiful lady called Alison McIntyre did, spirituality speaks to her and expresses itself as it often does through creativity and art, and in Alison's case, her poetry. She sent me this visionary one. She called it Sanctuary. The Sanctuary by Alison McIntyre. Time ticks by. Hearts still beat, tides continue to ebb and flow. As the sun rises, so it sets and humankind remains. In the space between the exhalation and the inhalation lies the liminal space. The space where nothing becomes something, where we can touch the infinite, the glorious and absorb the exhilarating calm. Our sanctuary, our potential for the here and now, for today. Thank you, Alison, for the word music there. I really appreciate it. Poetry has the ability to speak to us in ways that normal conversation um, um, simply can't. It's like music in that way. And another afterlife sign for me is of course, dreams. I'm I'm very well known as a dream decoding author. I'm the author of the best-selling uh, dream dictionary from A to Z, published by HarperCollins, and and the the Premonition Code with cognitive neuroscientist Dr. Julia Mossbridge as well. So I'm I'm so privileged to get amazing dream stories sent to me every day, and I truly believe that dreams are a way for spirit to talk to us, either symbolically to help us 
send us messages and offer us fresh insights on our life, or on rare occasions to send us a true visitation or night vision. Um, Here's um, what I would call a night vision. Um, I'm very grateful to David, who sent me this story about a dream, or was it, that he had. Here's his story. Hi, Teresa. I was drifting off to sleep when... In my mind's eye, an image of my departed best friend shone right through. It was so bright. Now, my best friend died two years ago. We were very close. He was the best man at my wedding. With my eyes closed and asleep, I saw him as clear as day. He was saying things to me and looked very animated. I couldn't hear or understand anything he said but he was so alive. I woke up and opened my eyes, expecting to see him, but there was no one there. I closed my eyes and there he was again, so vital and alive. I decided to keep my eyes tightly shut for as long as possible, as I didn't want to lose sight of him again. I saw him for several moments and then he faded away, waving at me. The experience was surreal, Teresa, but it felt real. I can only describe it as similar to watching a movie, but with the movie projected onto the backs of my eyelids. It wasn't frightening or unnatural. It felt normal. It felt natural. I have often thought about my best friend in these recent years and wished I could have seen him one more time to say goodbye. I believe I got my wish and it's really helped me cope with the loss of my best friend. Utterly mesmerising story, wasn't that? And then, of course, alongside dreams and afterlife sign stories and near-death experience stories, I also get angel stories, people who actually believe that they have seen angels and that these angels, in some cases, a story, for example, sent to me by Sid, who um, actually when he was five or six, I believe, from the message he sent to me. It's a very long one, so I, I, I can't read it all out, out. But he clearly remembers seeing an angel save the life of a school friend. And he talks about it now some 50 or so years later to me in an long email saying that he kind of repressed the memory but it surfaced and I absolutely love that um, because you know sometimes in hindsight you can look back at things in your life that you dismissed as coincidence chance or hallucination but then with the maturity of your years you can look back and think I saw or I was touched by heaven Now, I'm guessing you've heard enough of my voice now. So here is an afterlife sign story in the voice of the experiencer themselves. I'm very grateful to Steve for sending me this audio recording about here, an afterlife sign he experienced. So take it away, Steve. Hello, my name is Steve Chung. I'm 52 years of age. And I live and work in Coventry. I have a wife, a daughter of 14, and a daughter of 8. On Sunday, 22nd of November 2020, my father, aged 79, passed away suddenly from a short illness. 
My father was in intensive care unit where visitors were not permitted, although they made an exception and my youngest brother was allowed to stay with him, as my father had vascular dementia and communication problems. That night I arrived home around two o'clock in the morning after I had been to my parents' home to break the news to my mother. As soon as I entered my house, I noticed something on the back of my hand. It was a green fly. It was November, so I thought it was unusual. I immediately took the sign from my father. I had heard and read about signs from the afterlife. I decided to let it out into the garden. So I put my little finger out and walk onto it, but not to as I began to let it walk onto my finger. It flew onto the wall and stayed there for two days before disappearing. I spoke to the green fly as if I was talking to my father, asking him why did he have to leave me so early in life and that I wanted at least ten more years from him. I eventually went to bed and turned off the light at around 3.30am. As I was lying in bed, all of a sudden my mobile phone that was on the bedside lit up. And normally mobile phones light up when there's a call, when there's a text. But this time it, was, it just lit up like a torch. No vibration, just lit up. I picked it up and looked at it. It read... 3.33 a.m. Again, I assumed it was a sign from my father. I wasn't scared, but felt quite happy, thinking that he must be all right in the next dimension. I lay back down again and thought about what had happened. It can't surely just be a phone of the fault, could it? Then it happened again. This time the time was... Three minutes past four a.m. Exactly half an hour later. I thought it was a bit strange. Being exactly half an hour later, I accepted it as another sign from my father. The next morning I woke up, went downstairs to check on the green fly. He wasn't on the wall but had moved to the ceiling. I sat down and thought about the mobile phone incident and what the times it up meant. The first time it lit up it read 3.33am. So I added these three numbers up. Nine. The second time it lit up it read 3 minutes past 4am. These numbers up which makes seven. Put the numbers together it becomes 79. The exact age of my father when he passed. It shocked me a little but convinced me even more. It was my father giving me a sign and not a fault with the not a fault with the mobile phone. A day later I, I thought I would look through my phone to see when the last time my father had called me. It was on Thursday, 19th of November, three days before my father passed. And the odd thing was the time that he called was 3 33 pm. 
this really made me sit up and really believe something magical had happened. I googled the numbers 333 and was shocked to read that the numbers do play a part in having a connection with the next dimension. They mention of an angel trying to communicate with me or someone close to you passing away. It may be even a sign from, an, from God. A few days before my father's funeral service was due to take place, I called in at my parents' home. I took my key out for the door and it was broken. I, I did think that was unusual. Could it be another sign? Maybe my father wanted to come back home. Or maybe he wanted me to use his spare key. Understandably, keys do break, but the fact that it was my parents' key made me think it was another sign. On the day of the service, everything went smoothly, without any signs apart from me breaking out suddenly in tears of emotion when I placed a photo of my father on top of the coffin that he laid in. Thank you, Steve, for that story. Nearly time now for my interview with the law professor who believes her husband is communicating with her from the afterlife on her phone. And do stay tuned after her interview as my son and Royal College of Music scholar Robert, who is also producing this podcast, will ensure you hear in full a piece of music which is used in every episode of White Shores and I often get requests to play it in full. It's called Solo Gratia and it's performed by Clan Ree, an Irish band who got in touch with me after reading one of my angel books and felt they, in, they were inspired to write an album called From Lips of Angels. Now, Solo Gratia is a piece about the life-changing transformative power of gratitude. Close your eyes as you listen and feel your wings and your gratitude growing. And on that divine note, let's now meet once more, as this is her second visit on White Shores, an ordinary but extraordinary soul, and hear her remarkable story. Stay tuned. If you would like to find out more about my books, warning, I'm a serial spiritual writer, as well as my features, media, mission and talks, please do visit www.theresachung.com and subscribe to my newsletter for updates as well as free gifts and incredible stories to your inbox. If you have any questions, insights or stories to share, please email me at my trusty angeltalk710 at aol.com email or message me via my author pages on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. I aim to reply to everyone in due course. Season one of White Chores can be found on the podcast page of my website and all seasons can be found wherever you download your podcasts. Be honoured and grateful if you could leave a review as it helps spread the word that spirit is real. Walking beside me today on White Shores is a hugely popular guest from season three, an absolutely delightful lady called Louise who had a mesmerizing story to share about afterlife signs from her husband in spirit. And if you haven't listened to that episode already, I urge you to do so because this is kind of like part two, although we will have a short recap 
of what happened so far. And since then, Louise and I have, I would hope, we become kind of friends in spirit. I hope she would be okay with me saying that. I feel very close to her. And I know a lot of you do too as well, because you've emailed me and in dozens of you have emailed me to say, that lady's amazing. Thank you, because I've had something similar happening. And so I hope after this episode, you will seek her out. She'll give her details because she's she's quite amazing. She has a background in law, the legal profession, um, which which isn't, you know, is, is, is not something, what I'm trying to say is that it's not someone you would expect to then come forward and have these kind of, of beliefs, experiences and story to share. So enough talking from me. It's time to turn the spotlight very rightly on Louise and say hello again, Louise. Hello, Teresa, and thank you for that introduction. And let me just correct you. It's not me who's amazing. I think it's my husband who passed in February um, 2019. He's the one who's amazing because he has since then given me the most extraordinary and, as far as I'm concerned, irrefutable signs that he is still a conscious entity, that he's still alive in spirit. And as I have said before, I find that wonderfully comforting. It is. I mean, everyone who's lost a loved one, we all have. Um, having that understanding that the relationship is ongoing um, is is beyond comforting. I mean, for me, the connection, the signs came through dreams. That's how very much I have an ongoing relationship in spirit with people I've loved and lost. But with you, it's much more tangible, isn't it, Louise? Can you just, I, mean, I want people to listen to the first episode, but could you just give a kind of a summary of what you shared there without too many details. And then I know after that, we've been in touch because you've had more, more signs, more amazing signs to share. So I'm going to shut up now and just let you just take okay. as long as you like. Please just tell us. Okay. <laughs> well, a, a very quick summary um, of our previous podcast is that I started getting the most extraordinary signs via whatsapp messages which you know if you're if you're coming cold to this you will think oh yeah well she's a nutter but it really really happened and it it seems to me that the 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 most persuasive and extraordinary event happened on the 6th of august 2019 when i was out walking on tooting common um, came home, pulled the phone out of my pocket and found that it was telling me that I had created two WhatsApp groups, which I hadn't. And one was <clears throat> for me and my husband who had died in the February and one was for me, my husband and his daughter. And it was her birthday that day. And I always feel that he was in effect giving her a birthday present by saying, don't worry, I'm still around in spirit. Um, and I, I carried on getting these extraordinary WhatsApp messages, which I think I've detailed already in the, in the previous podcast. So what I want to talk to you about today is something really amazing that happened to me last October. So Wednesday, the 7th of October, 2020. And... 
three friends and I were sitting in my dining room playing bridge. Now, I don't know if you know about bridge, but you basically have two packs of cards and somebody deals one of the packs and you play a hand and then somebody else deals the second pack and you play a hand and then for the third hand you go back to the first pack of cards. So the four of us were sitting around the card table at, in my dining room and we had a red pack and a blue pack. So we dealt the red pack and we played a hand. Um, that was fine and normal and no problem. Then we dealt the blue pack and while somebody is dealing one pack, somebody else shuffles the cards that had previously been used. So somebody dealt the blue pack and somebody else shuffled the red cards and just put them beside her on the card table. We played the blue pack, no problem. Then we went back to the red pack and my partner, Susie, was dealing and she dealt and there was one card short. She didn't have the final card for herself. Now, you know, it's quite easy to misdeal, so we weren't particularly concerned. We all just counted our cards because we thought that she must have somehow misdealt and given somebody one extra card. But no, the three of us had 13 cards, which was right, and she only had 12. So we just sort of thought, oh, well, somehow it must have fallen on the floor or something. So we looked on the floor and couldn't see the missing card. And so then we, we stood up and made sure that, you know, we hadn't somehow got it on our laps or it hadn't somehow dropped on a chair or anything like that. Nope, nope, nope. Um, and we became, well, rather surprised by this because we knew because we had played with the red cards previously we knew that the pack had been complete and nobody had moved from the table we had just been sitting at the table playing the first two hands so it was inexplicable that a card had disappeared from the red pack and we looked around everywhere we could not find the card. And then we thought, well, let's see which card it is. And one of my friends, who knew all about the signs that I'd had from my husband, said, tell you what, I bet it's a heart. And sure enough, it was a heart. It was the nine of hearts. And so my friends said, well, is that special? Does that mean anything? And I said, well, no. And had it been the Ace of Hearts or the Queen of Hearts, I would have immediately thought, oh golly, this is my husband sending me this amazing, wonderful message and in front of witnesses and how lovely. But the Nine of Hearts didn't mean a thing. Anyway, we had to go and get a new pack of cards to carry on playing. And since then, yeah, I've cleaned the room thoroughly, I've counted the red pack several times, that nine of hearts has never 
turned up. But what's even more extraordinary is I told my friend about this, a friend who hadn't been there, and she does tarot. I know nothing about tarot. I've never been drawn to tarot. It's always struck me as being a bit weird. And I can also say quite definitely that my husband had known nothing about tarot. He would have been very scathing about it. And anyway, I told her and I said, but it was a really weird card, the Nine of Hearts. And she said, oh, but that's the Nine of Cups in tarot. And that's the most wonderful card. She said, that's a card showing really, really brilliant love. She said, the Two of Cups is love between two people. The Three of Cups sort of means marriage because it's the two people and then the officiant. And she said, but the Nine of Cups is three times the love of people who are getting married. She said, it's just true, deep love. And she said, and the gypsies call it a, a wish card because it also sort of means that you'll have what you wish. She said, I can't think of a better or nicer card. Um, so I thought, well, how lovely. <laughs> and I thought, well, how extraordinary. I mean, my husband obviously must have known that somehow. So anyway, I just took that as a wonderful, wonderful sign because there's no other explanation. That, oh, oh, I get shivers when I hear stories like this because um, it's, it's how it makes you feel. It makes you feel so connected. I can hear the love in your voice for your husband and I can sense his love for you. And it's interesting you say that he was very skeptical maybe was am i getting that right yeah, before he yeah, passed yeah oh, oh, oh totally he would have completely discounted tarot but he's obviously learnt about it now oh he's he's watching over you but what do you say i know i i'm probably asked this question to you before and many people do people who say look you're just imagining all this it probably just got lost it's just random what what's your response to the to people who say well, that to you now well, I think that it was incredibly clever of my husband not to take the card until we played with the pack for the second time. So mm -hmm. all four of us knew that the pack had been complete. And all four of us were witnesses to the fact that the Nine of Hearts had somehow magically disappeared. And we searched for it. Because you knew, no, we knew that it, it couldn't have gone anywhere. We knew that it must be there somewhere. And so we really, really searched. It has never reappeared. Wow. Have you had other signs, other, other ones that have been less, you know, have, well, is it dreams? Well, I had, um, I had had a sort of a similar experience of something disappearing, but that was back in... Um, 2019 and actually it was the end of May um, and I had bought myself a new address book I don't know why but I had this urge to buy myself a new big address book and put all my addresses in it and so I'd done this and um, and I usually write with a disposable paper mate um, you know and I, I, I like it it's a, a thin fiber tip but because I bought this rather 
a glorious and expensive address book, I thought I will go and get my Mont Blanc pen, which is my special fountain pen. So I went and got that from the desk. And I was sitting at the kitchen table, putting in addresses, and it was the, the evening. And then my neighbour sort of turned up with supper. Because in in May I was still, you know, in a in a bad way. And she was very, very nurturing and kind and quite often would say, hey, tell you what, I'm going to bring round supper tonight. So I got up to get the cutlery to set the table. And we were going to eat where I'd been sitting writing. And she just sort of swept the two address books and the pen along the table. It is a, a long kitchen table. Um, and we sat down and we had supper and and the evening went. Um, and the next morning I got up and um, I sort of just went to find my Mont Blanc pen, which I knew I'd left on the kitchen table the night before. Um, and it wasn't there. And, you know, I asked my friend, she said, no, 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 I just pushed it along the table a bit. It has never, ever reappeared. And the table hadn't been touched overnight. Um, and thinking about it, it was really, really clever of my husband again, because I would not have noticed had he moved a paper mate pen or anything small or disposable. <laughs> um but the Mont Blanc pen, because it was a special thing, that was the one small item that I would really notice if it disappeared. And I wrote it down in my book, but in a way it then was sort of overtaken by the extraordinary WhatsApps. And so yeah, I, didn't think, I didn't think too much about it. But then when this card disappeared, I remembered about the pen as well. Thank you. And, and the story of, of the WhatsApps, um, we, we, we want you to go and listen to, to season three. If you haven't listened to that episode already, please do. I'm, I'm glad you're keeping a record of all this, um, Louise. I do hope you write it down. Oh, I do. Yeah. Or as a feature or book one day, because, you know, I, I guess, are you at the point now when you're mm -hmm. sensing your husband in almost everyone and everything he's around? that you feel him with you? Um, or are the moments when you, you know he's not there? Or I just would like to know what, what stage you are at. Okay. Um, do you know, I'm not sure, really. Um, sometimes I sort of feel he's around and I sort of imagine him in bed with me and imagine snuggling up to him. But I don't really know if that's just wishful thinking in my imagination or he is around there. So I See, that's know. why I find you so compelling, because you are honest enough to admit, you know, you, you, you are like a sceptic as well. You're coming in and saying, well, you know, wishful thinking or whatever. You're not. I, I, I really appreciate the way you talk about it, that you question yourself. You constantly do. You did that in the, the previous episode as well with the WhatsApp. You were saying, is this? And I love that about you because you keep your questioning is important, I feel. Um, I don't know why, but I just feel it is important. You know, it's too easy to, to, yeah. to quick to believe. But it's just now the evidence is gathering, isn't it? Like data 
the evidence oh, is gathering. Oh, 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 absolutely. And I mean, there have been two um, incidents since the, the card disappearance. Um, maybe less extraordinary, but, but still, I think, significant. Um, towards the end of October last year, so again, 2020, I was in the sitting room and it was evening and I just put the lamps on. I hadn't turned on the ceiling lights. Um, and on the coffee table, there was a book that I'd just bought, um, Those Who Are Loved by Victoria Hislop. And I just glanced at it and, and saw the title. And I thought to myself, I'm loved by my husband. It was just a nice warm thought that I thought to myself. And you know, straight away, the ceiling lights came on. Oh, you know, I've nowhere near Beautiful. Through. And that's I really, really thought, beautiful. and I really thought that you know, my husband had been aware of that thought and was saying, yeah, you are. And um, then in December, just before Christmas, I was driving home um, and I thought, oh, you know, I haven't, haven't had a sign for a couple of months. And so I asked my husband for a sign and when I got home, I found that the lights over the bookshelves had turned themselves on. And again, there was sort of no explanation for this. And it's a, it's a funny little switch away from all other switches um, that turns on the lights over the bookshelves. And, you know, I very, very rarely turn that switch. Um, and again, it, it was sort of inexplicable that they were on, but they were. Thank you. And if you're listening and you've lost a loved one, wondering where, they're, where they are, um, wanting a connection, not knowing how, um, I hope this episode has really helped you um, in some way. And I also do hope that you will maybe message Louise. Um, these things need to be talked about. Nobody quite knows what's going on. You know, I'm not the one to say, oh, this is definite proof of survival. I've never been a person to say that. I wouldn't be so arrogant to assume that I know the answers to everything. All I can say, and this is my consistent position, is that over the 20, 25 years I've been writing about the afterlife, the paranormal, the possibility of there being life after death, the evidence is so compelling. Witness statements like what we're getting today is so compelling and the most compelling for, thing for me is that feeling of yes they're alive somewhere they're watching over me and I think that's what Louise conveys so thank you from my heart Louise on behalf of myself because I mourn departed loved ones too and everyone who's had that because we will all face that in our lives that there's someone very important to us that just goes somewhere else dies and that's the most difficult journey of all to cope with. And the grief journey can be helped by this sensing that death ends a life, not a relationship. So please, Louise, can you tell people where they can get in touch with you? Do you have a website? Do you have, or, 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 anyway, do you do a blog? No I, um, no, I don't do a blog. I don't do a website. <laughs> I don't do social media at You're all. You're not rocking Instagram then, eh? 
TikTok now, isn't it? I'm no, sure, you know. I don't tweet or anything. I, I think it's all rather pernicious. Uh, <laughs> it has, but, it's like everything. It's, it's, it can be a, a source of think, great good, but also, you know, very toxic. I think yeah. at the end of the last podcast, you suggested that people, if they wanted to get in touch with me, should um, email your angel email. And why don't we stick to that? Okay, and um, you know, if I can forward their, their and then their you messages. can forward, and then you can yes. forward any emails to me. Um, but yeah, I would, I would love to hear people's stories because I actually feel that, as far as I'm concerned, the proof is irrefutable. You know, it's just piled up one thing after another, and I wouldn't have believed in the afterlife two years ago or three years ago. But now I know. Thank you. And on that powerful note, that infinite note, I just want to thank you again from my heart, Louise. I know we're going to keep in touch. And I'm sure if there's a season five of White Shores, <laughs> we, can, we can meet again and continue this, this, this journey. And this conversation, it's such an important conversation to have the possibility of life existing beyond mind and body, where the evidence is growing, not just among people like yourself who are having experiences, but also within the world of science, neuroscience. There's so much exciting new discoveries happening right now. Um, documentaries being done, movies, as I say, the Disney movie Soul, I believe Netflix is doing a, a documentary series called Surviving Death uh, out there in America, which again is all such exciting new developments because 20 or so years ago, this would not be happening in the mainstream. And you, Louise, are playing a part in that, in mainstreaming this conversation um, rather than just denying it and saying it's nonsense. Um, so thank you well, so much. Well, thank you, Teresa. And I'm really pleased to get this story out here. Um, and yeah, I would love to hear from people who've had similar or different experiences because, yes, I think it is something that needs to be told and needs to be known. It just changes everything when you realise that death is not the end of all. So thank you very much indeed. And we'll be for 2021. That's amazing. I can't add to that. Um, that's the best way to end this podcast. Thank you from my heart, Louise. Thank you from my heart for being here and walking beside me in spirit on White Shores. Sensitive, kind and compassionate souls like you who see beyond the material are needed more than ever today to help the world heal. Thank you to Clan Ree for the blissful episode music and do check out the show notes for all details about this episode and my contact details. I'm going to say goodbye for now with a musical or literary offering, a piece of heaven for you to take away and store in your heart as you return refreshed to your one precious life. Until we meet again on these white shores, keep being amazing spiritual you, sending my eternal love and gratitude.